English Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck. And today we have a guest with us. Oh, we love guests. So fun talking to other people on the podcast. Um, and it is Lena Vasquez. And she is a Latvian Australian personal development coach, polyglot, YouTuber, speaker, and entrepreneur. Having been immersed in a multicultural environment from a young age, Lena studied law and languages in Australia and Germany and now speaks a total of eight at various levels. Lena, welcome to Language Chats. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I feel like I'm home. I feel like I'm back in Australia <laughs> via this podcast. Oh, it is our pleasure to have you for joining us. And if we can make you feel a little bit like you're at home in Australia on a podcast, then really anytime, happy to. Ah, excellent, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I've, been, I've really been looking forward to chatting with you both. Well, Beck has given us a, a nice little brief summary of your background, but do you want to tell us a bit more about your story? Um, your story as an Australian language lover, mm-hmm. uh, history and your, your journey with languages and, and where it's taken you. Sure. Um, oh, where do I even start, to be honest? Well, most of my language learning happened in Australia. So I feel I feel really giddy right now because I feel like anybody listening, especially if you've, if you've yeah, grown up or are living in Australia, you'd be able to relate to a lot of things. But um, I think first and foremost, I'm sure both of you can agree with this, if you're a language lover or you speak more than two languages in Australia, you're seen as some sort of genius. And I found it really strange because I spent the first seven years of my life kind of between Latvia and Australia. So in Latvia, it's kind of, it's normal. You speak at least three. And then through my travels with my mom as a kid, I was like, I was just so intrigued by not being able to understand people around me. So I would ask my mom continuously, like, what is that person saying? What is that person saying? I want to know what these people are talking about. And then when we moved to Australia, I actually got put into the new arrivals program in primary school. So it was like, yeah, the one that is for kids who don't really speak English well. And I picked up the language really quickly and then went into the mainstream kind of, yeah, stream of school. And I just, because I went to an IB school, so an international baccalaureate school, all of my friends were from different backgrounds. And so, yeah, I just, in Australia, grew up with this multicultural environment of having kids in my class from different, you know, backgrounds and speaking different languages. And that really inspired me and, and kind of, yeah, I don't know, I, I always say I love languages because I love people and I love finding out about people. And even as a child, in that environment, I realized that if I learned a couple of phrases or learned some funny things from my friends, it was it allowed me to communicate and relate to them on a much deeper level. So I took that with me through to high school. So I went to Adelaide High School in Adelaide. And yeah, that that's a special language school. So they offer seven languages. And yeah, so I studied French, Spanish and German in high school. And then went on to university. So I started uni at 16, um, doing French and psychology. And then I switched into law. And yeah, languages were always kind of the underlying element of everything I did. And that's kind of the the summarized version, I guess. (laughs) It's hard to summarize your life in in a few minutes. And on the spot as well. Yeah. (laughs) 
going to say seven languages being offered at, at Adelaide High School feels like an awful lot. Yeah, well, it's, like a, you really, know, I mean, it's yeah. fortunate. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I was very, very grateful. Um, I had to take a test and everything, but I was so determined. I remember even at the age of 12, <laughs> of like, I am going to get into this school. Uh, so you, yeah, I think it was actually, you study two, you can choose to study two and then, um, most people drop one or most people drop languages after year 10, but I, uh, for, for multiple reasons, I kind of, I was able to do three. So nobody actually studies seven because obviously you have other subjects that you need to do, but it's really good that they offer them. So you have, I think, yeah, they had Greek, Mandarin, um, Japanese, German, French, Spanish, Italian. And I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. still lots, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah <laughs> and how did you how did you find moving when you went from high school and having all of those language opportunities available to you and being it sounds like pretty well supported in your language learning mm-hmm. too? How was it then going into university and continuing languages there for you? Um, I would say I don't know. It, that's that's an interesting question. Because, well, the University of Adelaide also offered a lot of languages, actually more than than my high school did. So I found on the one hand, it really enabled me, like particularly with my German, to really solidify my knowledge. And it challenged me in a whole new way because I found in high school, it, it was kind of quite simplistic and quite basic. Whereas university, obviously, from my experience, it prepares you more for real life. Um, but actually every single language that I did at university, so I went on as well to do Italian and Russian, it was a very different experience. I found French to be way more intensive than German. I found Italian was more practical, whereas my German studies were very theoretical and we were doing things like Goethe and, you know, doing uh, reading analyses and and presentations and things like that. So I think... Yeah, the the highlight of my university experiences in terms of the language learning realm was when I did my um, year abroad in Germany and I did subjects in German. So I essentially studied German law for a year in the language, which was a great challenge as well. And is that what, what prompted you to kind of explore the world, I suppose, after, was it after uni that you decided to, to move abroad or what, what led you to um, live overseas? Oh, I think if I could have, I would have moved at 13, to be honest. <laughs> at that age, yeah, you're not really ready to be independent. Um, no, I've, I've always been a, a very curious person, as I said, in a free soul. So um, I went to Spain with my class when I was 15 and I just I just fell in love with Europe and I was like I want to come back here and yeah I guess I always knew that I wanted to move to Germany when I was 14 I had a picture of of Berlin on my wall and I said to my mom I'm gonna live there one day no matter what I do and here I am in Berlin but (laughs) yeah I think to be honest very very honest (laughs) I actually wanted to I really wanted to leave Australia, I think, in my third year of university because I didn't have a, like, socially a really good experience. And I kind of felt out of place because I felt like nobody understood me and nobody understood my passion for languages because a lot of people who were in my courses kind of were just doing it because they had to. 
or they thought it was great for, you know, the classic, I will get a good job because I've got this on my CV kind of thing. But I felt quite restricted back at university. Maybe it was to do with the time. I, I mean, last time I went to Australia, I didn't feel like that. And obviously, there's so much more behind that. It's not the country or the place itself. But I guess just for, I feel like, yeah, there's there's a certain place for a certain phase of your life. And I think throughout university, I felt quite restricted. And when I went on my year abroad, that was what inspired me and made me realize, okay, the opportunities and and the, I guess the calling of my life that is that is appearing everywhere. You know, when things just start to align, all of that was kind of prompting me to to stay in Europe and move to Europe. I love that. It sounds like I I don't think you're alone at all in having that kind of feeling that maybe you just have to get out. Like mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe maybe that's common to lots of Australians. Maybe because it's maybe because we're so isolated. I, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but like you know, Australians are always found traveling everywhere. Like for a population yeah. that's relatively small, like we seem to pop up in in all around the world. Oh, and, I, I know um, so many Australians here. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think with your with your your background in languages as well do you feel like that led you away like led you no I don't mean led you astray led you you like overseas and to like to broaden your horizons I guess yeah definitely I languages I always say languages changed my life and in ways that were unimaginable to me as a teenager or even at university I for example some of the languages that languages that I've learned I never actually wanted to learn like Portuguese for example and then I fell into it and it's brought so many, you know, so many enriching experiences in, in every domain of my life. But I would definitely say so. I think, yeah, most experiences that I've had in my adult life have been in different languages. Like to give you an example, my business mentor um, is a, well, was a German guy and I would never have had the experiences that I had through that or have experienced the growth if I hadn't spoken that language. So I do think, to come back to your question, that the ability to speak all these languages led me to want to explore opportunities in different fields and different countries. Wow, that is that is super interesting. And um, one of the other things we wanted to talk to you about on this episode was, I guess, how we came to know lots about you in the last couple of weeks was through the Women in Language Conference mm. and both Beck and I watched your talk live, which was pretty exciting because we didn't get to oh, watch that many talks thank live. Thank you. <laughs> that is exciting. Um, it was, yeah, it's a great, great event. And your talk was titled uh, Redefining the Language of Our Personal Identity and Breaking Binary Linguistic Stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So, There'll be lots of people who are listening who weren't able to attend the conference or who might not have caught your talk. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you chose that topic and what it means to you in terms of redefining the language of our identity and why why it's so important? Yeah, definitely. So I know first and foremost that it's quite a complex title, but essentially the core essence of it was about identity and in what I mean by binary linguistic stereotypes is on the one hand yes the stereotypes that we um, that are sometimes just implicitly there for example when we ask the question of where are you from or where's your accent from or where's your name from 
it's to do with how we categorize people and I've often yeah it's it's a topic that is very close to my heart because I've I found it throughout my life very difficult to express I guess my identity how do I put in all of the influences from different languages from different cultures from different people um and I think that a lot from as well you know my friends who I've spoken to about this or just the experiences that I've had in my life um to yeah I guess what I wanted to really share in in that talk was that identity really is a personal experience and a lot of the time when we ask people these questions or we try and and I guess satisfy our own curiosity we unintentionally sometimes step on that other person's personal experience and put them into a box too quickly Um, and another point for example is you know this idea of being a native speaker of a language well there seems to be this underlying supremacy of if you hold the title of being a native speaker that automatically Um, you know, enables you to step on anybody else who might actually be, you know, have more linguistic fluidity than you and be more eloquent in their speech and whatever, but because they don't have that country on their passport, that that categorizes them as being lesser than you, if that makes sense. So I, yeah, in my talk, the final message was kind of to, yeah, to understand, or to understand that identity is unique and that we really should remove <laughs> all of the shoulds and the musts and the and those judgments and really allow for our mind and our knowledge to be broadened especially because nowadays you know we're seeing more and more third even fourth culture kids or adults um and to just be more open minded about the fact or about how we ourselves um use our words and our language to express our identities how we can create more space for for discussion and curiosity rather than quick categorization and to also understand that our identity is something that is ever changing it's constantly evolving and you can be multifaceted and i think that um you know through my own experiences i constantly see other people trying to put me into a box it's like you can't be for example sporty and have a business you can't be you know good looking and be kind of open-minded and whatever like those are those are just a couple of examples um and to yeah to understand that everything everybody does is usually to stay consistent with their own image of their identity and what they think other people's identities are but you don't need to fit into anybody else's box yeah yeah, all makes so much sense. And it was a really, um, I guess it was a really eye-opening way of presenting these kind of thoughts that, you know, sometimes we do have to stop and think what we're, what we're saying or what we're thinking or what we're asking. Um, mm. And I like the point you make about that your identity isn't a constant, that your identity can change in time and over over the period of your life I think that's a really interesting concept as well yeah I agree and I love how you compare it to like third culture kids because I think that's something that increasingly people have talked about um you know kids who've maybe been maybe their parents are both from different countries and then they grow up in a place that's not either of their parents home countries and then maybe they move around a little bit and they find themselves in this um I guess 
diffi- slightly difficult identity position as they're growing mm. up. Um, but that just because we talk about kids in that way, there are plenty of adults who also find themselves exactly. in exactly the same position, don't they? <laughs> exactly, a hundred percent. And I, I think of my mum actually every time um, I think about that type of concept as well because. She's spent more time in Australia than she has in Latvia now. And she's, you know, she's gone through her third, I guess, oh no, tertiary education uh, in Australia. She speaks the language fabulously. And yet she doesn't get considered as an Australian because she has this slight, you know, Eastern European accent. And I know so many other people, wherever they are in the world, who who have that experience of, it's almost like a, a mini identity crisis of why are these parts of myself being, or, or the parts of who I am being segregated or oppressed? And, you know, people shut off the conversation before it's actually even begun, you know, instead of asking other people, or just being, I guess, more open-minded and, and trying to understand that you can have multiple cultures that that have influenced your identity and then if we dive in even deeper what does that even mean to be influenced by a culture you know I love asking the question why or what if all of those types of of deeper analyses but you know I had an experience actually this morning where um, I went out with with my Brazilian housemates yesterday and we had a little bit of a of a disagreement and it turns out that my the misunderstanding came about because they had a different understanding of, of taking what it meant to take care of each other. So to, to give you the, the clear example of they were constantly like checking on everybody at the party and were like, are you okay? Do you want to go home now? Is this going to happen? Whereas I'm not used to that. And I don't know if it's, if it's just to do with my personal experiences, but I said like, Hey guys, that's a bit overbearing. Um, could you, you know, I, I appreciate my freedom. I love you to bits, but please, like, I don't want to feel like a child. And then my friend explained to me this morning, he said, you know what, in Brazil, that's, that's really common. And actually we think it's rude if, if like we weren't, if somebody didn't check up on us all the time, or if somebody didn't, um, you know, if somebody wasn't overbearing essentially. And so then I wondered like, is this like, is this considered then to be a cultural difference is it considered to be an experiential difference? Because obviously everybody, no matter in what country you're from, is different. Their personality is different. Their life experiences are different, which then translate to them showing up in the world differently. So I feel like I've opened up a massive can of worms just then. But <laughs> <laughs> some, well, some interestingly, food like, for thought. Yeah, is it, is it like, is it a cultural difference? Or sometimes, mm. like if you're talking to somebody in another language, like I often mm. get the feeling I'm like, wait, is it a cultural difference or is it a linguistic difference? Like have I said yes. something that makes it sound like did I misunderstand a nuance of <laughs> a particular word or a particular phrase and completely mm. misunderstand a situation, not even because there was a cultural difference, but just because I like, yeah, I took something the wrong way, like unintentionally. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have, um, so in all of this discussion, I guess, of, of cultural difference and linguistic difference and, and identity, do you have any, um, any recommendations or suggestions for people to try and have better conversations with others about their identity? Like whether it's, because, you know, if you're somebody who, mm. like it can be very easy based on, as you mentioned before, an accent, for example, to make mm-hmm. a judgment um, no, not necessarily not a negative judgment, but a 
a, a judgment, put somebody a little bit in a box um, because you hear their accent and you hear that it sounds maybe a little bit Eastern European and then mm-hmm. you, you you make a decision about where you think they might be from. Um, but are there ways that everybody can try and ask the questions differently maybe to, mm. to have that conversation in a different way? Yeah, I think firstly it starts with having a, a level of self-awareness so, you know, everything starts with us and our own thoughts and, and our own perceptions. So I think just being more cognizant of, of the expectations that we bring into conversations or the expectations that we bring into a new scenario when we're meeting somebody for the first time. So, yeah, breaking those expectations of what, you know, of their appearance, of what you think, because... Yeah, I think expectations are the are the things that often lead to the biggest miscommunications because you're not actually open to truly listening. You're coming in with your own lived experience and and as I said before, you're trying to um sometimes yeah, unintentionally um discriminate a little bit and put that person or shove all of their life experiences into into some sort of compartmentalized box. Um and then I would say really to well this is a two-part answer so one is obviously about about how you choose to define your own identity so asking yourself okay how do I introduce myself what would I personally like to see my experiences be like and especially if you if you do find more often than not that that you feel kind of oppressed or trapped by yourself sometimes in the way that you present yourself so for example I've always found it difficult, you know, when people ask me, where are you from? Uh, I had this question come up so many times, even even last night at this event. And I, I just always say I'm a daughter of the world um, because that leads to more questioning rather than if I say I'm Latvian, Australian, and I live in Berlin. It's almost like, okay, you're a foreigner. Cool. We get it. And then people start seeing you differently. They speak to you in a different language. Um, you know, even here, I speak German to to pretty much a native level. But if I start a conversation, I've kind of tested the, the waters with this. If I introduce myself first as a Latvian Australian, the even if I'm speaking perfect German, they see me as okay. Kind of there's this there's this feeling of when is she going to make a mistake? And it's funny because I mean we even in this. You know, even in my speech right now, I probably made a couple of, of linguistic errors or whatnot. But because I have Australia on my passport, I'm seen as a native and therefore those errors are forgiven. Whereas when we, you know, then hear, okay, somebody's not from a country where that language is being spoken, it's almost like we're waiting for them to make a mistake. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it, totally. It does. Yeah. And it's, I'm just, yeah, sitting here going, oh, have I, you know, have I um, been at the receiving end of I, have I had that experience and put that onto others? I'm just like, (laughs) but this is what the self-awareness, as I said, we're going to dive in deep. I like to shake up the, (laughs) shake people up a little bit, but yes. So it's, and it's then as well, you know, instead of categorizing people, just kind of being more more open-minded with your questions and saying, oh, you know, like um, asking more about life experiences rather than labels and asking them more about, you know, what cultures have influenced you? Um, 
where did you grow up? Like it, it depends on the scenario and the context, but I guess just having more open-ended questions and letting them uh, recount their personal experience because it, when we're trying to find out about who someone is or what they are, that's up to them to tell us. And it's not our responsibility. Like it's not, we, we shouldn't step on anybody else's experience of their identity. We should rather be curious and be empathic and receiving and, and open to what they say. And I think that having that then broadens your perception of the world because, you know, if we're so narrow-minded in, in how we define cultures, how we define people, then we don't leave that room for expansion. And then as a result, we actually also limit our own ability to expand our own identity. So. Yes, I love that. I love that. Like, be curious. Everyone, just ask some questions. <laughs> ask some questions. <laughs> I think I think sometimes people, it's like you get, you almost get worried about being too nosy. And mm. for the most part, actually, people are happy to tell you about themselves um, mm-hmm. if you ask in the right way. Like, and you do just have to ask in the right way as long as it's not aggressive. Um, you know, if, if people are just genuinely curious about what you're what your background is, whether mm-hmm. that's your 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 family background or your linguistic background or your journey in life up to a certain point, um, you know, people will happily answer your questions. So just go ahead mm. and ask. I think that's a really a really nice a really nice way to to look at meeting new people. Yeah, and that's as well. We it, we come full circle back to that idea of, of expectations and assumptions. I think if somebody reacts badly to somebody asking questions I think that says more about them than it says about you you know and I think that's they might have had a bad experience but that's where just going into something without assumptions um leads to I think the greatest conversations because um yeah like if somebody perceives you as being nosy that's coming from their lens and their own personal experiences perhaps they've had one too many or the way that they've been or they've encountered a situation like that so I think for everybody listening, <laughs> let's not make assumptions. Let's leave our past experiences behind. Obviously, they will influence us like subconsciously. There's no getting around that. But just to ask the question of, yeah, how, how, how can I show up in the world better? How can I be more open-minded to people's stories and, and just listen? I think true empathic listening is key. That's yeah, that's a really good point. And be less desperate to put people into a mm-hmm. box. I reckon that's that's yeah, a big thing too. Stand back. <laughs> Get rid of the box. <laughs> yeah, or even that, you know, we, we do it naturally because I mean it's a it's a primitive like it's primitively ingrained in us that we, we categorize because otherwise, you know, that's how we navigated the world. But I think to just to also just be aware of that and be like, okay, yep, here's that stereotype. But it's not about whether or not it appears, it's about what you do with it. And to just kind of see it, appreciate it, and put it to the side a little bit whilst you listen to that person because you never know what or how they're going to they're, they're gonna surprise you. You have built your career is from from what I can understand you know based around around languages and mm-hmm. your, your study of psychology and and coaching and all the multitude of things that you do um can you tell us a little bit about about I guess the projects you're working on or you know anything that's been a standout for you career-wise mm-hmm. 
Well, my career took a massive turn. <laughs> I think most people probably, yeah, are wondering, hold on, didn't she study law? What is she doing? Um, so I feel like maybe I'll, I'll touch on the, the transition of how I got to doing what I am doing because I found it really difficult uh, when I started university to figure out how I could incorporate languages into my career because you have the the standard you know, I guess, career paths of, okay, you can either become a teacher, uh, which usually means, you know, there's a there's a format that you have to abide by when it comes to that. Or, you know, I, I kind of saw, okay, I'm passionate about psychology, I'm passionate about law, how do languages fit into this? And at that time, the this whole idea of having an online business or doing something online wasn't that prominent. So I thought, okay, I'm going to choose law because I saw this lawyer linguist job role uh, and I was like, that's going to be my future job. And it was in my, f- yeah, in the, at the end of the, my third year of law school into my fourth year where I did my exchange in Germany and I was good at it. And I, you know, I got good grades and I could, I loved debating and I loved talking in front of, of the kind of mock court situations, but there was just something missing. And I felt, like I wasn't allowing my full creativity to be expressed and I moved back to Australia and I was just super unhappy nothing was working out as I spoke about like alignment before it was like the universe was telling me Lena you need to reconsider your life right now and I didn't want to listen at first so I kind of just ignored it and within that five month span so this was the beginning of 2017 everything was going wrong. I wasn't like getting the jobs that I was applying for, even though I knew I had like the qualifications that they needed. And I moved around five times. Nothing was just working at the time. I also was in a long distance relationship. And so my partner and I, we'd been like long distance for five months as well. And he was like, oh, if this is going to go on for two more years, like, I don't know, we need to, we need to decide on something because he was here in Germany and I was in Australia. So there were all these factors and I got home one day and I just started crying and I decided, you know what, I'm going to listen to my intuition and I'm going to listen to what I want to do. And at that time I'd, I'd just launched, I think three months before I made this decision, I'd launched my, my YouTube channel and I realized I'm going to go and just I want to work for myself. I don't know how I'm going to do it, what my long-term plan is, but I don't want to be a lawyer. So I'm going to pack my bags and move to Germany. So I did that. And I moved two months after I made the decision. And yeah, I started teaching German online. I was creating content on my channel. I just took every opportunity that I could. I put myself in the rooms where, you know, to meet the people that I knew I could learn from and that we could both benefit from each other and it was it was a struggle in the beginning I'm not gonna lie the the first two years were probably the hardest and then coming to what I do now I guess I just kept learning and growing I had a mentor and I'm even now you know I'm I'm probably going to change what I'm doing but I think that's part of part of life in terms of the projects that I do so um yeah so I run my YouTube channel which I love because I love creating videos for people um I also coach so I was teaching German up until the end of 2019 and now um my next project actually and everybody listening is probably the one of the first people to find out but I'm really passionate as I said about 
personal development and mentoring people and especially over the last year and with corona I've gotten so many inquiries about especially from other women who have been like Lena how are you doing what you're doing like I want to do my own thing online I want to build my brand but I don't have the confidence and I don't I don't know how to do it so I want to start this almost like mentorship program for women who want to build a language business online so that's my my upcoming project and I also work with a Brazilian company to create um, language learning content for their YouTube channel and for their Instagram as well. And then I coach people on accents. So I do a number of things. I always, my response to what do you do is, is always a multitude of things because um, I just, I love to create. So whatever I do, I make sure that I'm passionate about it. I'm helping people and I can let that creativity flow as well. Lena, you got so much going on. I like, I'm <laughs> just amazed. <laughs> oh, but you. also, you heard it here first um, that there's mm-hmm. some, some very interesting <laughs> stuff coming up for you. Great. Yeah, we're working on it. I, I always, I don't know, maybe it's my Gemini self, but I, <laughs> I love to do a lot of things at once. Sometimes, sometimes I do take on a bit too much and I have to remind myself, okay. You can't uh, do everything all at once. Let's calm down. Let's take it a step back. But that's all part of the process, isn't it? That's very true. Very true. <laughs> um, before we wrap up this episode, um, we know that you've had great success in lots of experiences learning a multitude of languages. If you could impart, I guess, you know, your number one or, you know. <laughs> oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> Um, I guess tip or, or yeah, um, mm-hmm. for language learning, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Ah, oh, dear listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think, well, there's, there's no one size fits all method in language learning. That would be my first kind of opening piece of advice. I think something that's really important is to to know how you learn. I think that a lot of people don't actually question that because they look too much at the, the theoretical side of language learning. They're like, okay, how do I learn vocabulary? How do I learn grammar? What's the best book to use? But actually take a step back and be like, well, how do I learn best? Because you're going to be the one doing the learning. And it took me so much tr- you know, time and trial and error. I always say this, like the, the amount of time I spent learning German, if I knew the things I, I know now and if I knew myself the way I know now, it would take me half the time. So I think understanding, um, you know, for example, are you more of an, of an extroverted learner or an introverted learner? What inspires you? Do you like the nitty gritty side of language or do you are you somebody who needs people and you need to be in a group environment in order to, for it to be most effective. So know how you learn and just take the time to understand through trial and error how you learn best. And then I would say kind of tying into that, my the like my number one thing is is language learning, like make it a part of your day. It doesn't need to be something that you kind of see as an as an extra activity where you need to set aside like three hours of time to to dive into a book like make it fun it has to be fun and it and like fitting it into your daily grinds like fitting it into everyday activities that you do so let's say you yeah you like to to watch a certain type of of show or 
you like to cook or you like to dance, like doing those activities in that language or just kind of habit stacking, I'd call it. Yep. Really great tips. Thank you. Thank you, Lena. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, everybody listening. And thank you for having me on your show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, we're so wrapped that you could join us. Thank you again. So nice. And Lena, can you just um, let everybody know as well where they can find you online? Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube. My name is Lena Vasquez. So if you just put in my name, you'll find me there on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, same name, Lena Vasquez. So yeah, very easy. (laughs) Well, thank you again. And thank you for all of you for joining us for another episode of Language Chats. As many of you know by now, this um, podcast that we do is part of a larger project that Beck and I work on together because Language Lovers AU and you can find out more about Language Lovers AU on Instagram and on Facebook. Don't forget we've got a Facebook group as well. And if you would like to listen to any of our old, um, old past, past episodes, not old, <laughs> we haven't been going for that long. Um, if you'd like to listen to any of our past episodes, you can find them on our website, languagelovers.com.au or of course, in all of the regular podcast places, wherever you're listening now. And we will catch you at the next episode. Thanks again. Thanks, Thanks Lena. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you.